Russ, I feel like your screaming hot takes have some merit this morning. Oh, well, I'm I'm happy that some people have finally pulled their heads out of the rear ends. We just need to get a bunch of other people out as well. But don't worry. It's going to be a process. Well, right, we'll get to the Sixers in a moment, but I'm beginning to feel like you are... Um, you're like that guy in those doomsday movies that runs around screaming like a maniac and everyone thinks he's crazy. And then like two weeks later, you're like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. There's a there's a 12.0 earthquake. How about that? Um, so I'll give you a little bit of credit for being the crazy guy. Thanks, man. Uh, a few you know, eagles. Uh, I, Go ahead. Oh, no, I Go was ahead. just I wanted to know how much Russ was yelling last night. I think most of his yelling came like from On Monday's Twitter. podcast. It's like he's he's like the soothsayer of crazy takes. Oh, if you think you think Monday was something, just wait. Just right, wait. We'll use that as a little bit of a tease. We got a few other topics to touch on quickly. I know we didn't talk Monday about Carlos Santana, and then we got a few Eagles topics: Ronald Darby and Brandon Graham. Brandon Graham not making the Pro Bowl, so call that our cornucopia of topics. Uh, where do you want to start, Adam? I want to start with angry Sixers Russ. No. Oh, you do? Okay. No, yeah, I don't they... want to, no because I, I still have two things that I need to make sure I have in my back pocket before we start. Go to Santana. All right. Just Maria, trust me. Maria, Maria. So, yeah, you wanted to talk about this. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what, like, I don't know what the Phils are doing. This yeah, is, by the way, on from Friday, so we exactly. are admittedly late on this, but we figured it's worth discussing. Yeah, yeah, we're paying $60 million for a slugger, and I don't even know if it moved the needle in Philadelphia. Yeah, it really didn't. Like, you think about, it's funny, I have, um, you know, you don't even log into Facebook, and you get the, hey, this day seven years ago, or whatever it is. So I was getting the this day seven years ago's and on, like, the 14th, and they were all the screenshots of... Cliff Lee related things um, at the time like the website was like less than a year old and when they signed Lee we did all this stuff with photoshops it was like the biggest traffic day it was like the thing that I think a lot of local people found out about the site so that always held like a special place for me but I look back and remember the excitement of that and Carlos Santana is not Cliff Lee by any stretch but like you think about how far we've come they just spent 60 million on a you know well, arguably their second best be their second best hitter going into the season next year and it's met with a collective shoulder shrug I think part of that is because Santana's you know not great he's good I think the other part of it is he doesn't seem to make a lot of sense a guy in his early 30s uh, on this team paying that much money but um, you know Bob had written about this last month and his thought was all right if you sign Santana now you're going to have four outfielders one of them's going to get traded possibly Odubel Herrera because he probably has the most value because he can do so much. Um, so I think that's like the storyline here. It's like, okay, well, what's the next shoe to drop? Are they going to trade an outfielder for a pitcher? Or are they just going to have this weird top-heavy team heading into uh, next season? Right. It, I don't know what it's going to be. And I just hear Gabe Kaplan's voice explaining it. This is a, a good move for us. I like this move a lot. Um, I like where the Phillies spend money because it's like, hey, like it's it's like a light at the end of the tunnel. Like maybe we're actually going somewhere. And I had an Indians fan at work come up to me and say, take care of Slam Tana for me. 
And I was like, okay. And they were like, Slamtana. yeah, apparently they call him Slamtana. But they, they're like, he's like the coolest dude. They said he's like, he's the ultimate uh, like locker room guy. Like he keeps everything together. Um, so he, I, I felt better about it because I saw how upset an Indians fan was. And that made me feel good. And there's something about taking former Indian sluggers that I enjoy. Jim Tomei? Ah, yes. I guess. But it's like, I don't know. It's, you know, he doesn't make much. It's not that he's a bad player, but it's it would be like the Sixers going out and signing Reddick two years ago. You know, right. almost, They're not I in feel that like position that, yet. Right. I guess there's something to be said for the veteran Hell, it might be like them signing Reddick this year, but um, there's something to be said for the veteran thing. He's only 31, but this team has shown that you know there's been quite a few knuckleheads, quite a few rookie young guy mistakes over the last couple of years. So having an older guy in there who knows what he's doing, I don't think ever hurts things. And you know, 60 million seems like a lot of money, but baseball. First of all, the Phillies have so much money, and you're about to continue to reset it. I think MLB owners all just got $50 million from their sale of BAM, which is the, for people who don't know, the video streaming, mostly video streaming company that runs MLB TV, but they right. also now um, they also now power streams for like a lot of unrelated things. So um, that was that was equally owned by all the clubs. So all those clubs, I think on January 1st, get $50 million from the sale of that. Um, you know, so it's not like they can't afford it. It's just odd, I guess. But, yeah. You know, if, if if there's a trade now and they trade an outfielder and get a, a high upside young pitcher without having to trade Sixto Sanchez, who by all accounts is the real deal, though, you know, how many real deals have we had now that haven't been? Talk about uh, it. Yeah. Drabeck, man, he he really. <sighs> Don Brown, he really. I'll, I'll tell you what, like seeing. I mentioned seeing, like, the Cliff Lee throwback things on Facebook. Just going back in 09, like, rereading Ruben Amaro's explanation for why, when they got Halliday, that they felt the need to trade Lee so they could recoup some of their, like, prospects that they they had to give up for Halliday. Like, reading his logic in that and then him going out the next year and just getting Lee again anyway is, it still makes me mad to this day. Because they may have won the World Series in, in 2010 if they had both those guys on the team. Bingo, bango, bongo. That's an eight-year-old argument. It was literally literally the first blog post I ever wrote on the site was complaining about that. That was your first ever one? The first one was... What was, was your first that, line? Do you remember? Uh, it was bad. It was bad. But Good maybe morning. Like this is Mer- Kyle Scott from no, Crossing Broad. I think it was Happy Holidays. It was the mm. day they, they got Holiday. But half the That's post... cute. Half the post was complaining about um, why you know why they felt the need to trade Lee because they didn't have to. Let's give up our farm system for one of the greatest pitchers of all time, but then get self conscious about it and try to recoup it. Ugh, yeah, it was great. the ultimate hedge. It was like yeah. the ultimate hedge because all you know, as good as Halliday was, he was you know Cliff Lee was couldn't have been better in that second for half how, of two thousand nine. For how many hours did we have all of those guys? It was like a simultaneous like, thing. Yeah, oh. I remember it was almost like it, it was shades yeah. of like the Richards and Carter deals. Like they were, it was within yeah. probably thirty minutes. It was like so as for soon as you minutes, got, we had it. Yeah, because remember, like a lot of people were sitting around building out, like they were photoshopping the staff together about how incredible it was going to be, and yeah. then 
by the time you were ready to post it, it was it was all it was all over. All right, so let me let me handle Pro Bowl snubs. Hold on, if before we move on. I want to say that have a bench coach named Rob Thomas, right? Oh my God! Uh, blog what? post. Are you gonna put? So uh, yeah. I, I I think it's actually a little ridiculous that one of the greatest guitar players of all time has been reduced to Smooth and Maria by compilations with Rob Thomas for our generation. <laughs> like if you really think about it, Carlos Santana. Like I have some of his stuff on vinyl. Like this man, this dude it's did the black thing you've ever said. Shut oh, it down. Shut it down. You've never said anything more. It'll get worse. But I mean, this man did black like Magic Woman. Like, this man is responsible for some amazing pieces of music. And we all give him, like, this... What What was Rob... How would you describe Rob Thomas? You guys are probably not going to like my take on this one. But to me, growing... Like, late for 90s... me? No, well, you know, That's I bad. always got to qualify. That's a bad Match, way to start. Matchbox 20, I thought, was a fantastic band. Um, Rob Thomas they? is talented. He's put out a lot of hits. So yeah, you got to say that he's got a good voice and he's put out a lot of hits. Yeah, but I would okay. I wasn't sure if he was late nineties or early two thousands. Like and late nineties, Matchbox Twenties, late nineties. Because I was, I remember being a kid listening to um, yourself or somebody like you, which is a top top ten top ten. And then rock what are their album. what are their other contemporaries? Who are the other bands that were similar to them in that era? Hey, um, like the Gin Blossoms. Okay, you know, the were, Wallflowers. Yeah, yeah. The Gin Blossoms, the Wallflowers, um, uh, like Sugar a... Ray. Oh, man. Maybe <laughs> Sugar Ray. No, uh, oh, I know. Um, hey, now you're an all-star. Who's that? Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth, yeah. Um, but I think Matchbox 20 was the best of that lot. Like, their music was the most, I, I don't know. I think they had better straight-up music. Those all bands all had, like, one or two hits, and that was it. Like Man. that that one Matchbox Twenty album again. I'm not going down a Taylor Swift thing here, but that that whole al- every single song on that was a good album. Uh, was a good song. I remember when Matchbox Twenty was the the shit. Yeah, that was an interesting time. Russ doesn't know what the Boston's are. The mighty mighty Boston's. Yeah. Do you Russ, do you know that? Nope. Wait, and what were you just singing, Kyle? I I that I, was Green Day. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was blending the Boston's voice with uh, with Dookie. Do no you idea. have the time to, to listen. listen to me? Why? I could see them covering that though. That was my first CD ever. It was Green yeah. Day Dookie. Yep, yeah, same here, same here. And then my second CD, I asked my uh, aunt for Wait, Stone Temple Pilots. No, because they were right there. Okay, I, I asked for uh, Snoop Dogg. <laughs> and my aunt saw the explicit label on it, so she flicked down a little bit on the S's, and I ended up with a Salt and Pepper album. Uh, <laughs> so I was singing Shoop Shoobadoop for a long time, uh, which explains a lot. And when then you say my... flick down, was she flicking through the CD? Bin? Yes, probably yes. at the wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I, and then my third one was Hootie. Uh, Hootie yeah, Hootie, Blowfish, yeah, Hootie, yeah. Hootie, yeah. Hootie could sing. Can we talk about the Sixers? Go well, ahead. hold on. I, oh, let me just ahead. get the Pro Bowl out of the way. All right. And then we'll get to the Sixers. Four first-time Eagles, six overall. Carson Wentz, Malcolm Jenkins, Fletcher Cox, 
um, Brandon Brooks. Um, who am I missing? I'm missing two. Fuck. Uh, wait, say it again. I got it. Good audio. Uh, Lane Johnson. Realize... Yeah. And who am I missing? I just know that Brandon Graham and Jason Kelsey did not make the team, and a lot of people are saying they're snubs. Uh, so much so that Jason Kelsey was tweeting out that the voters must be trash cans. Um, I will say this about Brandon Graham. Uh, we did uh, national predictions uh, for Pro Bowls, and the three guys that Sims picked at defensive end over Brandon Graham were the three guys that got in. Demarcus Lawrence, Cam Jordan, um, and Everson Griffin. And so I will say this, Brandon Graham had an amazing season. He's definitely going to eventually get to the Pro Bowl. But I do think that those three guys were deserving. The center from the Falcons getting in over Kelsey, I think that is a snub. But Pro Bowl snubs are, you know, they're, they're something that we're very used to now. And I don't think it's that huge of a deal. I just know that it's something you're going to hear on radio today. So I figured I'd chime in and add that stuff i'm gonna figure out who the hell the other the, the official list was carson wentz fletcher cox zach ertz and zach Bro- ertz. and brandon brandon brooks uh made it as starters jenkins and johnson as reserves yeah and so it's officially the zach ertz breakout year congratulations <laughs> and to be honest i'm not a i know it's, it's a topic it's certainly the players care about because there's, there's bonuses and they don't go to Hawaii anymore. Where do they play now, Adam? Orlando. Nice. Um, so the players don't even have that upside. It's a free trip to Hawaii. But I used to be like, – I remember growing up, I was all in on, like, the baseball all-stars. I remember all celebrating in. And when, like, the Phillies got five in in 93, I Definitely. guess it was. And I could not – like, there are two things I could not care less about anymore because I just feel like – I don't know. I don't not seeing behind a curtain, but like I feel like it's just such contrived like opinion based stuff is uh, Hall of Fame discussion and All Star discussion. I think part of the All Star thing is because All Star games don't have their place anymore. Like they used to be a way to showcase the best players and put them all on TV, but that that's not a problem anymore. Everyone can see anyone they want now, uh, and the Hall of Fame. I don't know. I just can't get interested in it, especially oh. the Pro Bowl because it's the worst of the bunch. The Pro Bowl is sucks. I mean, I we I interviewed Emmett Smith and Terrell Davis last week, both guys that made the Pro Bowl, and I interviewed Isaac Bruce, the guy trying to get in the Pro Bowl, and to watch these men who have like been tight, like just dominating their sport and have been celebrated their whole lives, have to like get down their hands and knees and beg sports writers to put them in. It's insane, and it's all a popularity contest, and that's always been the issue with the Pro Bowl. But I agree. I was that kid so angry when people got snubbed. Excuse me, I pulled a Russ. So angry when Pro Bowlers like didn't get in. Um, yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's complete bullshit, but some people care about it. All right, I'm ready. Unleash I think the, that unleash Adam's, the I think I think Adam's uh, snooze sure made him sound. Wait, oh, Cozy. Wait, before we move on to Cozy, before we get off the heels, one quick thing. I want to read Ronald Darby's tweets yesterday in succession here. For the halfway fans that sit around and wait for mistakes to talk trash, we'll be getting blocked starting today. We nothing but human. Much love to the loyal ones. We, me, will continue to work. Goal is always to get a W no matter how it looks victory Monday. Looking at Christmas. That includes the media, too. Thumbs up. Nothing to talk about. 
What a... Mike Missinelli was going, I happened to tune in yesterday delivering packages, and Mike Missinelli was going on about this, who he himself, I believe, blocks people. But he was ragging on Darby, and I think with good reason. Like, there, how do you tweet that? How do you not have the self-awareness to know? And then he tweets a picture of his interception. How do you not have the self-awareness to know you were terrible, like purely terrible? On Sunday, and your one interception is the one thing that is sort of like putting a little bit of a drape over it, and to come out and blame the fans and media for coming at you, like I, I don't know. I, I, I do get these guys are prideful, though. but come on, but come on, like you know, suck it up. Come, come out and say, yeah, I, I kind of suck Sunday. I got this going forward. Like, come on, you know, the media too, nothing to talk about. That's literally their job to talk about that. I mentioned the other day because he kept jumping the route that I thought maybe he was an idiot. And, like I'm beginning to believe that now. Like the, I get the fans. You want to shout out to the haters, screw the haters, fine. But the media, like they're writing about your performance. They're not writing about what you were doing, you know, off the field. Like get over it. You played bad, and people pointed it out. You're an I, NFL player. Come I, on. I think I'm going to steal Brett Brown's quote about Jaleel Okafor and just use it for every situation. This is just a young person giving a quote. Like that like I, that was my favorite response because it's so true. It's just young people saying dumb shit. Like Ronald Darby's 23 years old. He's probably never had that much anger on Twitter because Ever. he played on Buffalo and like uh, he was like celebrated there a lot. And then he came here and for eight weeks he was like, come back, come back, come back. And then he had like his second bad game in a row and he's just not used to it. So he's just like lashing out. I just, it's just dumb. Um, it's just a young person on Twitter. You know, I feel like someone should hold him and get him cozy. Ooh. I'm going to do two here. Um, so, first of all, thanks to uh, Cozy again for continuing to sponsor us. It's December 20th, so if you didn't get a Christmas gift now, well, you're, you're, you still got time. If you want to go uh, to the fine, uh, excuse me, family-owned and operated, located in the heart of Newtown Square. If you want to go to the Edgemont Shopping Center, there's still time to get your, your Christmas gift at Cozy. But time is running out, so, like, go now. Um, if you go in, if you're thinking about getting engaged, this is the worst ad read ever. If you're thinking about getting engaged next year, and it's you know it's on your, I don't know if that's a resolution, but you're planning on popping the question sometime next year over the holidays here while you got some time off, go to Cozy Jewelers, uh, tell them we sent you. And they'll walk you through the process of putting a ring together. You don't have to buy a ring the first time there, but they'll explain to you how they source their diamonds, the four C's, how to build a custom diamond engagement ring. And if you mention us and you wind up buying a women's custom diamond engagement ring there, you'll get a free men's cobalt wedding band, which is uh, a huge expense after the fact that you're probably not thinking about at the time. Um, so go to Cozy. Tell them we sent you. It's uh, Cozy, C-O-Z-Z-I, Jewelers.com. Um, be sure to tell them we sent you. Thanks to them for sponsoring the podcast and also Anthony Sanfilippo's Flyers content on the website. Um, second sponsor, we'll get it, we'll get to it now since everyone's waiting breathlessly for Russ's take. Uh, our friends, our friends at Amerigas, finest propane in the land, nation's number one propane provider, uh, available at over fifty five thousand locations, most notably Home Depot and Seven uh, Eleven. If, if you need. If you need an emergency tank, uh, they want to be your tailgate everything. 
uh, on their website. I believe it's ace.americaass.com. They have tailgating recipes, uh, but they're also doing a cool giveaway with us with $500 worth of gear. All you got to do is go to crossingbroad.com backslash americaass and enter your name and email. That's it. I think maybe your zip code as well. Um, and you'll be entered to win a $500 prize pack that includes a portable grill, uh, it includes a portable heat lamp, it includes two tailgating chairs, it includes a propane hose to hook it all up, uh, and $200 worth of apparel from the Crossing Broad store. All you have to add after the fact is like a pack of burgers and get the propane tank. See see how this works? Uh, so go to crossingbroad.com backslash Amerigas, sign up, and um yeah be entered to win it's a really cool prize and you don't have to do much to get it and if you need propane i'm thinking of starting this investor jeff uh posted a picture from his tailgate in new jersey he sent a picture of a beautiful amerigas propane tank i'm thinking about uh starting something where people take on instagram like uh, ironically beautiful pictures of their amerigas propane tanks and tweeting it and offering up like a huge prize to whoever takes like the best most hipster filtered photo of their Amerigas propane tank. To me, that sounds like a marketing campaign. So if you want to send me a picture of your tank, uh, you consider yourself entered for whatever contest we eventually wind up having for that. Well, speaking of contests, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, once we hit 500 five-star reviews, we will be giving away something from the website. We don't know what yet. Kyle still hasn't agreed to it, but it's definitely happening. Are we close? We have... 292 five-star ratings, 228 reviews, but we're only going for the ratings. We don't need 500 reviews. Um, but then again, the only way for you to really be eligible would be for you to leave a five-star review. Uh, we have two. One is SWAT Like Embiid, awesome show, five stars. This show is my go-to for Philly Sports Talk ever since its debut. Been listening since day one. Actually found myself in line for a train ride behind a guy I think was Kyle at Sesame Place today. Want to know the giveaway? Under Armour Shoes. Keep up the good work, and let's all pray for the canonization of Saint Nick. Wait a minute, really? I was on the seventeenth. Were you at Sesame yeah, Place? Yeah, Saturday. Yes. No so, shit. Listen, if you're listening to this show and you think that you come across a wild Kyle Scott in his natural habitat, do not be afraid to approach. Yeah, and take a picture of his tank. Yeah. yeah. Uh, second no, five star review. Say awesome hello. Pun. First of all, yeah. say, uh, hello. say hello. No, you know what's funny? I actually I remember that. And I was, I was, he probably thought I was jackass because we were getting all huffy because we're waiting in line with our two year old and he was not, like, would not sit still, would not eat his crackers, didn't only want to be held, only wanted to be held by my wife. And we were both getting frustrated. But I remember the guy behind us because obviously they had young kids. But every now and then, like, when you bump into someone who knows you, like, there's a look. And, like, he, he looked at me longer. And I thought, I wonder if that guy reads the website. I swear to God, I thought that. So. I saw you, guy. Should have said hello. Five-star review, awesome podcast by Jason T. Bradley. Recently started listening and got hooked right away. Great insight and balance from true fans. Love the mix of passion and criticism without too much homerism. Look forward to each new episode. Wish there was one every day. I understand these guys have other jobs and Russ has to go, but maybe start 15 minutes earlier. <laughs> uh, he has a lot of good points when Adam isn't picking on him. You start at 545. I I don't pick on Russ. I don't think he does. Keep up the good work and trust the process. P.S. I love the harassment of Investor Jeff. Guy sounds like a a real jerk. What? Ouch. Yeah, we we found out, though, in Slack that that was was Investor Jeff's business partner. Oh, okay. Anyway, it's time. Um, All right, Russ. It's time. How'd you feel about Sixers game last night? 
You know what? I, I was told on Twitter after Monday's show that I've been just too negative. I'm the most negative human in the world. I'm not being fair anymore. I'm just crushing the hopes and dreams of a young team. That's it. I'm apparently the worst, and apparently your team, your town, your Philadelphia 76ers are just a young group who we should just watch be absolute trash, led by a bunch of trash veterans who have not lived up to their contracts. You're right, people. It's all my fault. It's my fault that Ben Simmons doesn't get to the line. It's my fault that Ben Simmons doesn't shoot the ball. He had six field goal attempts last night. He had three within the first five minutes. Do you remember this? Because on Monday, Brett Brown came out before the game and said, Ben's going to be shooting jump shots. Didn't happen. Guess what? Wednesday, he comes out, takes two elbow jumpers, free throw line, hits him in rhythm. They look good. Everybody's excited. Wow, Ben is finally listening. He's finally going to shoot jump shots. Sweet mother of mothers. Merry Christmas. No. When the team needs... Will you curse for the holidays? We just... No. Like a, when... A harsh fuck. I can, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just so Sweet close. Sweet Mary of Mothers is... So, let's think, let's think really quick. Before I just trash Ben Simmons, because it's not my goal. I like oh Ben boy. Simmons. I like, I like Ben a lot. I want to look... I want to look at... I want to look at two guys that I think are disappointing. One is making $23 million this year. His name is J.J. Redick. One got a massive contract extension and has been absolute booty since. And that'd be Robert Covington. Let's do a real curse, quick... Curse, please. Let's just please do... curse. Let's just do a real quick comparison, shall we? Uh, <laughs> Covington and Redick in wins have, like, they've kind of... They've kind of shot what you would think. Covington in wins has shot 46% from three. J.J. Redick has shot just under 38%, which is certainly not what you signed him to be. In losses this season, Robert Covington is shooting 36% from three, and J.J. Redick is actually shooting a higher percentage. He's shooting just under 40%. That stat means nothing. It does mean something. You're talking, you literally just described one additional missed shot per game. Like those, those eight points for Covington in one game, figure he jacks up nine, right? You described one extra missed shot. So, my dear friend, let us look at the last six games that these two goons have played. Oh, boy. Robert Covington, over the last six games, has jacked up an average of how many threes per game? Ten. He's made three per game. Not good. And if he made one more, it would be four per game, and you'd have no problem with it. No, I would still have a problem, because he's shooting ten a game. He's shooting 40%. 10 a game. He's shooting if he makes 10 a game. And guess what, Russ? If he makes 40% of them, it's 12 points on 10 shots. No one's arguing with that. 10 like, threes. I, I, here, Russ, 10. so oh, This first team all, is over-reliant on the three-point shot. There's no other way to look at critique. it. They are beyond overly-reliant on it. Another guy that I wanted to look at is Jared Bayless. Go ahead. Fire back. R- real quick. I, you know, I just I had an epiphany about you. Oh, I agree. I tend to agree with your sentiments. Like when you say Ben Simmons should shoot more, like I'm, I don't disagree with you. When you say Covington and Reddick need to play better uh, and be more consistent, I definitely don't disagree with you. I think bo- both of those guys have been maddeningly frustrating over the last few weeks. But it's it's the way you frame your arguments that that get me. Because like with Simmons, you did it after three games. Right? Well, this guy needs to be shooting, right? Okay, yeah, yes, everyone's aware he needs to be well, shooting. Well, now we're 30 games in, and who's okay, right? you're right. 
You're right. And eventually he has to just learn on the job. You like he's been playing basketball long enough in his life that he should be confident taking an open jumper from anywhere inside the three point line at the very least. And if you're embarrassed about missing it or whatever, or the coaching staff worse is telling him not to take it like that needs to change. This isn't the championship season. You need to learn on the job. Like that's that's what your rookie season is for. So I don't disagree with you with that. I disagree the way you sort of criticize them. Like you know he's his fifth year player and he's just never going to turn this corner. With Covington and Reddick, like I completely agree with you. But then you frame it in this in this argument about you know when when they're shooting in losses. And first of all, Reddick shot, shots better in losses, so there's literally no point there. And your your Covington point is like, well, he shoots better and wins. Well, guess what? Like I'm guessing the team shoots better and wins. Like that's the way this works. When you play better, you win. And you described something that was literally like mathematically, you described one additional miss per game to make a point. Which so I don't think there was a point there. And you're using these numbers. To like, and you're using, oh, he's shooting 12 and he's only making three, or he's shooting 10 and he's only making three. But then it's like, okay, yeah, if he makes one more, that's a good percentage. And this team wants to shoot threes. I know what you're saying, that it's frustrating they're not making them, and maybe they don't have all the pieces to shoot as many threes as they do, and, and that's you could put that on Colangelo. But at the same time, they might be trying to install a system that, yeah, it's not going to work right now, but that's ideally the system they want to play, like the Cavs, like the Warriors, shooting a lot of threes, going forward when hopefully they have more talent next year, when potentially, maybe, they eventually trade or eventually sign Clay Thompson. Like, th- Why? That's, that's not a thing. Hold on. Now, just, that is not now, a thing. That is not a thing. And now, back to it Russ. That thing. was a good counterpoint. Get Russ, it. what is your counterpoint to Covington his counterpoint? in his last three games against OKC when they needed him, when the game went to triple overtime, where your franchise center, your transcendent talent, played every minute of three overtimes and hasn't played since, and ostensibly might not be playing again until Christmas Day, because that's what this team does. Let's just ostensible march, is my let's, word. You can't let's have just, it. My let's word. just march him out for nationally televised games, the hell with all the other games. He shot 3 of 15 from 3. That's 20%. He goes 2 for 4 against Chicago, because he was gun-shy. And then against Sacramento, he goes two for 13, 15%. These are all winnable. for shooting too many and then shooting too few. No, I, no I said, I said he, got gun shy. I, he got, he got gun-shy in the middle. Two games, so fine, let's take the Chicago game out. He's five for 28 in those Minus two games. Minus the game where he was two for four in between. You are like, Five for 28, Kyle! You're like, like the world's worst pivot table. No, you separate all the things you don't like. Kyle, these are games that you can't lose. If he hits one of those threes against Oklahoma City, they win. If he hits, if he hits a couple, you can't shoot. Like, there's a difference between saying that you're a shooter and you need to shoot your way out of something, and just knowing you don't have it going on. And in both games, I need to pull their fourth quarter, the fourth quarter stats, because it, he's it been doesn't jacking matter. up you're gonna pull, isn't gonna make sense. Last anyway. night, last night, they're they have 30 seconds left. They're down six points. He gets an inbound, doesn't even get his feet. I know this is my thing, but doesn't even get his feet set. Jack's a three up from six feet behind the arc and like practically airballs the thing. I'm I'm like so I'm so sick of watching this team. I Am I the only human being who sits down and watches this team and realizes that they are maybe the most poorly constructed team in the NBA? Like they're right up there. Like the, so many people after every game wanna wanna fire Brett Brown, and that's fair to some extent. His rotations have been trash at times. There is little to no reason that Amir Johnson should be starting and or playing extensive minutes 
over Rashawn Holmes. The stats do not back up this like narrative that Amir is a decent player. It it hasn't been panning out. The the rebounds per game, the uh, expected rebound percentage, like Rashawn is is crushing him. The only thing that was surprising is that Amir Johnson's pace rating is is higher. Like they would get more possessions uh, with Amir Johnson than they would with Rashawn Holmes. Those those are the rotational things that I don't get. So like if there's one thing to slaughter bread over. It's been his usage of some of these vets, especially in the front court. Look, Trevor Booker is is not an answer. Trevor Booker is also a very frustrating guy to watch. I I can't I can't stress enough. When you watch every team in this city, you have to find yourself getting angry at the coach and at the guy who put the team together. And Brian Colangelo looks like a clown. Oh my god! He looks like an absolute clown right now. What? I'm. Oh, I'm. I, is this like news? Am I the bad guy? <laughs> Brian Colangelo has put oh, together a Scarface. team. Do the Scarface. You're talking, are we? What? No, I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad everyone, guy. Everyone, everyone hates the bad guy. It's a bunch of streaky shooters. A bunch of guys. Look seriously. How many of these guys would be in an NBA rotation elsewhere? Well, Russ. All right, but you have to go. You have to go down the list. And say, all right, who is Colangelo is responsible amazing. for here? Jared right? Bayless. Okay, he's responsible for Mir Johnson, Jared Bayless, and Trevor, Trevor Booker. Booker. Who, by the way, they got JJ Redick and Redick and Redick. Okay, I, no one has any problem with the Redick signing. Uh, oh, I'm not really? Gonna, okay, what's your problem with the Redick signing? I agree that Redick has been disappointing and frustrating, and is like maddeningly inconsistent. And, and I agree also, with your. And also won us a game and had some really good moments too. Yeah, but I overall like he, he's a he's a frustrating player because when when he's off, he's to Russ's point a month ago. This is why I feel like Russ is like the crazy guy in those movies. He was right. Like when he's off, it's it's frustrating because. You know, he just keeps shooting, and he doesn't look good. And Covington has not looked good. I'm not disagreeing with any of these. Like, Redick and Covington have been very frustrating. Covington, pretty much since the moment he signed his contract, has been like a fraction of the player he was yeah. over those first eight or nine games. But the what's your problem with the Redick signing? Because he makes it all the sense in the world. And when you talk about the construction of the team, you can't forget about Markel Fultz. Now, there's a whole separate argument here to that be made the about the ways that Sixers handled him. But the, the whole point of getting Redick and and allowing Ben Simmons to not have to shoot is because you expected to have a, a ball-handling scoring guard, and they just don't have that yet. You're relying on Jared Bayless for that role, and occasionally even T.J. McConnell. So, you know, whoever's at fault for the faults thing, it, that has something to do with the construction of the team because you were counting on this guy being your— I mean, you, you made your franchise move to go up and get him. But what's your problem with the Redick signing? I'd be interested to hear. My problem is exactly what I, I think it is for a lot of people. It's just, when I think of J.J. Redick, I think of a knockdown shooter. I think of exactly the kind of player that the team has been missing. And there have been plenty of, of opportunities, especially the last six games or so, where he's been wide open in a corner, he's been wide open at the top of the arc, Colangelo. and he hasn't hit them. You're talking no, just, about his, his, his role. You, you talked about his role here in the construction right, so and about, signing Redick, and I said between, it was a good signing, and you laughed. Let's say that the difference between being able to go out this won't happen this is just a hypothetical but the difference between being able to go out and acquire a guy at the deadline like if okc tanks and they're looking for a reason or somebody a suitor for paul george you don't have any cap flexibility anymore between the 23 million that you gave to reddick 
and the way that you structured the Covington deal, although I was championing at the time. Like, he pretty much gave up all the cap space you have. They, they really cannot do much to change the complexion of this roster. They can't. Right. Like the way that it the way that it's been constructed is the way that it's going to be. Like I think they're they're practically up against the cap now. But how would you have like the reason it's constructed that way and the reason he's getting paid so much is because like working directly against your point is they signed him for one year. So they do have flexibility next year. You're not trading for Paul. Why would the Sixers trade for Paul George at the deadline when, when by all accounts, he doesn't want to be anywhere near the East coast next year. Anyway, the reason the Sixers signed Redick to one year and paid him so much money, like, and you know, this, we talked about this was so yes, you can get him to come here for one year. He could have gotten a two year deal elsewhere. You make your team better. You take a flyer on him. It's like sign. It's it's basically the Alshon Jeffrey signing. We're like, we'll give this guy more money than he's worth in one year, and if he proves himself, he could stick around. If not, no big deal, and we have some flexibility after the fact. The Redick signing made all the sense in the world. They don't need cap flexibility. Go out and get someone at the deadline this year. They're not competing for anything. Why would they trade at the deadline? Like I. This, this is what I like. I, I agree with your opinions, but you come with these points and you're like, you talk yourself into a, into a corner. You've been talked into a corner. Why am I talking I, into I a corner? I agree with I was, you. I was Covington needs to, to play better. Reddick wanna... sucks lately. Like, yeah, totally agree. Colangelo could do a better Bayless job has, picking and up Bayless guys has like been awful. Amir Johnson. Yes. Bale, oh, I don't know, but Bayless is Bayless should be is. Bayless should be the third or fourth, like the third guard off the bench. He sh- he should not be your immediate. But again, that's that's team construction. Like here's another. So here's another. the team construction was predicated upon Markel Fultz existing, and he does not yet. Bayless is fine. Bayless was signed a year before Markel Fultz was drafted. Fair, okay, but like, he's fine. Let's he's not, fine let's as not a as a backup guard. He's fine. The problem is you don't have, and then when you go to construction, you talk about your starting thing. You have Ben Simmons who doesn't shoot, so you have two guards: one who shoots a lot, and the other who literally does not shoot. That's. I'll the also argue that Bayless was not signed to be a bench guy. Bayless, when he was signed, they he they had talked to be about a stabilizing force. No, the they had him signed to be the to be the off ball guard in a Ben Simmons offense before Ben broke his foot. Okay. But the so I'm saying also... like he's he's a guy that this this front office clearly thought highly enough of to be a starting guard and between his injury and Ben's injury last year we didn't have to see it we didn't get to talk about it but he was but signed like, as a stabilizing veteran force on a team that was like laughably bad and young like the, he's he what which he's, is fair Jared Bayless is not signed for the the long term to take this team to the promised land Colangelo went out and got him because they had to put some sort of a respectable product on the floor. And honestly, I think that's why you see guys like Amir Johnson and maybe even Trevor Booker. Like, right now, the Sixers still aren't playing anything. We all saw those first 15 games and we're like into win now mode. They're still not there yet. And as frustrating as it is, because yes, they're probably going to be a playoff team, or at least they should be, and they appear to be good enough to at least get into the playoffs, we're all we're all now arguing for the thing we argued against for so many years, where it's like, well, surround them with better players. Like, that's not time. They're, Amir Johnson and Jared Bales and Trevor Booker, they're just there to round out the roster. And the Reddick signing, if you want to nitpick it because it's a lot of money, that's totally fair game. But it made all the sense in the world for this year. It's no risk. They had to spend the money anyways. You get a guy who's a good shooter on a team that needed a shooter. There's no problem with that. To me, the, the roster construction is sucks because you have your primary ball handling guard can't shoot. And with the presence of Markel Fultz would have done so much to assuage, assage, I don't even know, A-S-S-U-A, thank you, to, what is it? 
Assuage. Assuage. That reality. Assuage. Assuage. No, it's a swage. Having Markel Fultz would have solved that. And they don't, and that sucks. And this now you have I, a guard who can't shoot. This is where I find, Russ, I'm not, I'm not saying I like your argument. I'm just saying that I am laughing on the inside is, one, the Sixers are not currently in the playoffs, so you're currently losing that bet to me, which is amazing. Uh, number two, this team has sucked for, like, like being, like, abysmal and won 28 games last year, and we're, like, talking about them like they're supposed to be competing with the Celtics and Cavs. Like, I feel I feel like we saw quite no, clearly I, earlier Adam, this year. Some of this is. They shouldn't be losing to Sacramento, and they shouldn't be losing to Chicago. These are t- like look if 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 they, they didn't have Embiid, they didn't have Embiid. They didn't have Embiid. So, oh my god! Sacramento, oh my god! Sacramento, hey Russ, Russ, listen. I'm just gonna say this. Don't oh my god like that. Like, like I'm missing the point. Tell me, you're not tell me who Sacramento the- has. Tell me who Sacramento has that that this Sixers team without Embiid shouldn't be able to beat. De'Aaron Fox, who shoots like trash. Zach Randolph, who's at the end of his career. Vince Carter, who's 41. What you're not realizing is the Sixers are trash without Embiid. You just can't admit it. No, I get that. But no, they, get- no, no, no. They can't shoot. They have n- multiple major positions that can't shoot. They have a main center who can barely play. And they don't have confidence. You're ex- you're expecting too much of the team, and you're looking at these other teams as trash, and you're not realizing that right now the Sixers are trash. Who you on, can't come who on Chicago or who Since on Sacramento? Give Adam two points for that. Point. Who on <laughs> Chicago or who on Sacramento are a better player than Ben Simmons? It's not about Ben us. Simmons. It, that does matter. Who is a better shooter, like career wise? <laughs> who's a better shooter in terms of like career standing? Who's a better shooter career? Than JJ Redick on Chicago or Sacramento, who is a better three and D guy on yeah, Sacramento or looking, Chicago? You're looking like, at all of these players in a vacuum. Should they have lost to Chicago? No. Chicago shot like 97 percent in the fourth quarter. That's ding. also that's not realistic. So you're looking at a fluke performance and going, why aren't we better than this fluke performance from a team? My thing, though, is saying is, sure, J.J. Redick can shoot, but other teams look at this team and go, oh, wow, they have one shooter and a rest of non-shooters. We're going to be all up on J.J. Redick. Who is threatening you other than J.J. Redick on the floor? I agree with you that Rashawn Holmes should be playing more. I don't understand that at all. And I do think that Jared Bayless is insanely bad. And I do think that when I look at box scores and see that Jared Bayless shot twice as much as other players on the team, it better be coach's direction or else that dude should be on the bench. But what I'm saying to you is you're expecting too much. You need your sliding scale of expectation. Copy right 2017 Adam Lefko. Ding ding ding. Adam's You're, got an 8 to 3 lead Russ. 8 to 2. Did we lose Russ? I fuck if he bounced, <laughs> Did you talk him out of the pod? If he bounced. What did he, he say? I'm late. He's got to go to work. No, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. You just I don't <laughs> even think I was that right. You got a lot of points. You got a points on my dinger. Um, Wait, you can't leave. You just talked them off the podcast. You can't do that. Is that like a rage quit in, in like online gaming? <laughs> he just he just pulled the plug out of the wall. Uh, no, stop it, that's dude! Not, celebrate this. I don't that's, want that's, to. That's how you win it. That's how you win an argument. 
You t- could you imagine on like PTI if when Wilbon's right, corn uh, corn eyes are just like like the camera went back to him and it's just an empty chair. Time out. I feel well. I feel like so conflicted because I feel like Russ is going to be like driving to work and being like fucking idiot. At like I feel like he's just going to explode. And then wh- literally on the one episode where someone commented that I bully Russ and we both commented I don't bully Russ. Golly. He's 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 listening back to this right now in his car, like like he's listening to this right now in his house. He's the madman in the earthquake movies. He's shouting in his car right now, but they don't believe me about Covington. Uh, Covington's three point percentage. It's gonna doom us all. Yeah, it's it is a weird time though. It's like we the beginning of the year for the Sixers, we got so excited and. You know, now we're treating this team as though they're that good. I just, I don't look at them with that same respect, if that makes any sense. Um, I agree. And so that's why I'm, it's not about like not like believing them fully. It's just, um, yeah, like that, that Covington's performance. I think Covington's performance is the thing I'm most disappointed in. Yes, me too. Especially after the contract. Yeah, because you, especially at the start of this year, but even before that, you thought, okay, we got a guy. After you saw what he came out doing this year, like, oh man, we got a guy who might be a potential absolute stud three and D guy, and he still may be. Like, I mean, he's streaky. He's always been streaky in this regard, um, and for better or worse, it's probably going to be his game over his career. And maybe if he could smooth out those peaks and valleys, that would be helpful, obviously. But I agree. I'm less concerned about Reddick because he's only here for one year. So, yeah, it's fr- he at times is frustrating to watch. At times right. he's exciting to watch. But he could be gone. You could say, all right, we're done with Reddick. But the thing, with Co- first of all, you just signed Covington. But we had such high hopes because you're like, man, this guy's got range. And he could D. He's, you know, he's come back. Like He looks like a, a completely improved player. And he's probably going to be here for the long run. And then you see that he could be really bad at times. And I agree with like your frustration. I agree. If there's one guy on the roster who's letting us down right now, it's Covington. And there's been a disappointment, it's Covington. All These are all real real and fair frustrations. It's fair to be frustrated that Ben Simmons won't take a shot. At this point, just start doing it. If you miss it, you miss it. At least you learn exactly where you need to improve from and, and you know where you could focus your, your energy. But I, it's something like when Russ frames it in certain ways – I think his framing is wrong in that he's he's looking for like too much of a gotcha takeaway on these things, and you know, and again, our Slack chat was a tire fire last night. I was in there posting pictures of Jay Wright in the same frame as Colangelo, saying, "Look, they know each other." I'm telling you, but like we haven't even talked about Brett Brown yet. But the point is, like, yeah, it's a young team. There's a lot that needs to be done. There's definite frustrations, but I'm just not sure. Sometimes I get why Russ is like coming so hot at at guys who clearly have things they need to improve but those are things everyone acknowledges and he's trying to like you know take a bigger point away from that i don't know it's hard to put your finger on the what brett about brown, brett brown yeah the brett brown discussion is so interesting i was literally having this yesterday with someone about we don't know if he is good because the last few years but we can all admit that he's a great guy that we all are rooting for. I was talking to my 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 good friend. He's a really good Celtics fan. He's like, oh, man, I just heard Brett Brown on Woj's podcast. And he's just such a good guy and just such a good, like, molder of young men. And I'm like, yeah, but, like, I don't know if he can't coach late-game situations because he hasn't or if he's incapable. 
Like, I don't know if he himself is also learning as well. And I also don't know how much slack you give the guy. But it, there's definitely issues right now. And I do love Brett Brown. Everything from his accent to the way that he treats people. But, you know, those Jaleel Okafor comments resonated with some people, I'm sure. Which ones? The, the ones that were taken out of context in which he said it's nice to be with an actual coaching staff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even though that wasn't his quote. Um, yeah, I don't know why they posed it to Brown that way. I mean, his quote wasn't good. His quote was like a dig at the Sixers not training him properly, which right. is absurd. But, yeah, I mean, on Brown, like, I he's an, right, he's a nice guy. Everybody's rooting for him. And it, it's hard as a fan or even as possibly an executive to separate those things. Probably easier if you're an executive to separate the fact that he's a nice guy and you're rooting for him. The issue is no one is blaming him for the prior three or four years. Like any smart person could say, all right, well, here's what he had the right. He signed up for this. He agreed to it, but he, he put him, he went through this as well as anybody could and somehow managed to come out the other end now with a good team. And then you come out the beginning of this year and they look great. And you're like, Hey, this team's overachieving through 15 or, or even 20 games. You got to give the coach some credit playing with young guys. So it's hard to really truly evaluate him, and I think people would hate to turn the page on Brett Brown without ever really even having like half a season with a with a respectable team to see what he can do. That said, not only this year, but over the course of years, they've been terrible late in games. Now, a big part of that is they're playing with fringe NBA guys for a portion of that time, and now they're playing with rookies. Like You can't blame Brett Brown when Joel Embiid dribbles the ball off his foot in the paint in the last minute of the fourth quarter. I mean, those are things the players are going to have to learn the hard way. So I, I, you know, on one hand, you can't put, you can't blame the fact that there was, maybe you can a little bit, but like just full on defensive breakdowns last night. Um, and, you know, the team just losing spunk in the fourth quarter. It, can you blame that on the coach? Like the, that is on the players. That is on young players who need to learn how to close out games and not just collapse. Like they're better than that. They've been coached better than that, and they're better than that. But on the other hand, stuff like that happens a lot, and eventually that stuff, right or wrong, falls on the coach. Eventually, when there's end-of-game scenarios and you're coming out of timeouts, or even the other I really had a problem with that weird pick, 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 three-point attempt by Saric against the Thunder on Friday That was night. tragically bad. It was, and people weren't as mad as I thought they would be. I get why you want to go for the win because now it's just a war of attrition and everyone wants to, you know, you don't even know, you know, can Joel Embiid stand for another five minutes? Like, all reasonable things. I don't mind going for the win there. But, like, pick, pick, pick and having Saric shoot, shoot a three, I don't know. Like, it's just every time at the end of games, you're like, oh, that's what they came up with? And regardless of who the players are, the play is the play. Um, so I do think there's something there. I, you know, there's some timeout management issues. There's definitely some rotational issues. Like, I don't know what is going on with Rishwan Holmes. Like people just think he can't defend. I, you know, there's a, are they just favoring the vet? Cause they're paying Amir Johnson. You know, th- that might be a thing too. So I don't know how much you put on Brett Brown, but it's, I, I think we're past the point where he's, um, above criticism. He's fair game to criticize now. And I think there's real criticisms there. And, I know it came up in our Slack last night, cause, and some people have tweeted, oh, Jay Wright, Jay Wright. A couple of things. One, I don't think Jay Wright wants to leave Nova. I think he's kind of gone through that 
a, a, a mini version of what Coach K went through, where it's like there was a few years there where he probably could have had an NBA job, and he flirted with the NBA, openly flirted with it, saying it's something he would entertain down the line, but not another college job. And then he's kind of come out the other end seeing greener pastures and saying, you know what, I'm happy here. I have job security, basically lifelong job security. Um, you could argue, you're arguably, not, not even arguably, you probably become more famous as a great college coach than as anything but like the best coach in the NBA, right? Like name, name me 10 basketball coaches. I bet you seven of them will be known for their college games, right? Coach K, you know, right. Rick Pitino, Calipari, all those guys, they, you know, a lot of them flirted with the NBA and they came back to college. That said, Jay's always kept open the door for the NBA, um, for what it's worth noting, the style the Sixers want to play, this up-tempo, shoot-a-lot, D, you know, vociferous D, that's been Villanova style for 10-plus 10, 10 years. You know, Jay has been playing in college kind of a modern NBA style. Now, I don't know enough about the X's and O's of basketball to know about, like, actual, um, you know, to know if the actual, not game plan, but, you know, plays that are drawn up and systems are identical. But in terms of, like, shoot-a-lot of threes, D and rebound. I mean, what the Sixers want to do, that's that's what he's done at Nova. And by the way, the CEO of the Sixers, Scott O'Neill, is a Nova grad. Chris Heck, who is the president of the Sixers, is a Nova grad and used to work in the Villanova athletic department as like the head of marketing. And, you know, is a they're both huge Nova guys, know Jay well. Um, Jay is a USA basketball coach, you know, being groomed to be a potential successor possibly for the national team. And you know, obviously has a relationship with the Colangelos through that, through both with both Brian and Jerry, probably more so with Jerry. So I'm not like trying to fuel the Jay Wright to the Sixers thing, but I don't think when people say it like in jest and then people are like, oh, that's never going to happen. I would say that if, if the Sixers ever do move on from Brown, um, J- at the very least, Jay Wright's one of the first first guys they call. If for no other reason than he knows the guys, he plays that style, he's talked about the NBA, and he's already in the city. Um, just, I don't know. I'm not, I don't think that's like an imminent thing, but I, I don't think it's nothing either. I do. And like I know nothing there. Some, it's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. I do like you putting some sauce in that fire. So this will forever be known as the, the rage quit episode <laughs> where uh, I can't believe that happened. That's why I kept wanting to do Sixers earlier. Cause I don't like when he leaves, especially during the one thing he really wanted to argue, man, Russ. It is like around the horn. Like, we just muted him. Oh, that's a good point. He gone. He gone. He gone. All right. Anything else? Uh, you good? Yeah, I think that's it. Cool. Russell Joy at Joy on Broad. Kyle Scott at Crossing Broad. I am at Adam Lefko, L-E-F-K-O-E. Man. Uh, yeah. Do you agree with Russ? Do you agree with Kyle? Do you agree with me? Let us know on Twitter. Because I know that's how we settle these debates, is by you telling us who was right. Uh, get on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Russ will read it on Friday. Until then, farewell. Go Eagles, Sixers, Flyers, Phillies, Soul, Union, Wings. And am I missing any? Villanova? Villanova. St. <laughs> Joe's Temple. All right. Uh, see you guys. Have a great day.